This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. From Studio A inside the Rick L. and Vicki L. James University Center, this is Trine Line. Hello, I'm James Tu, Senior Director of Content and Communications at Trine University, and this is the Trine Line Podcast. Trine University President Dr. Earl D. Brooks II will discuss some of the latest happenings at Trine University and issues in higher education. Dr. Brooks, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, James. Always, always good to be with you. I think this is the third or fourth of these we've done uh, this semester, which means I guess we got a lot of lot to talk about at Trine University. Yeah, a lot of good things, I think. Well, we're coming up here on the end of the calendar year, and just looking back at 2019, what do you see as some of the highlights for this year at Trine? Well, we've had a great year. I know we'll talk a little bit in a minute about uh, certainly the continued enrollment impact that we have, uh, the continued great numbers we have in job placement, which for now six or seven year averages, uh, 99% or May 2019 class came in at 99.4%. It's been a good year of giving for the Invest in Excellence campaign. We're going to be probably at the 11 to $12 million mark here as of December 31st in this fiscal year, which is a really good giving year for us. A lot of good individual and alumni, friend, foundation support that has really made the first year. All of last year, we raised just a little over $10 million. We're going to meet that here in the first half of the fiscal year, so a really good giving year for the university. Students continue to do some great things, both academically and in competition, which I know we'll talk a little bit about. Athletic teams continue to thrive and grow and do well and just uh, always feel very fortunate and blessed this time of year as we wind up going into the holiday season to uh, reflect back and think about our, our students, our faculty and staff, and how blessed we all are to be a part of Trine University. Maybe for those listeners who don't know, when does the, the fiscal year run? Uh, fiscal year runs from May 1 through April 30th. Uh, we changed that a few years ago. It used to be uh, June 1 through May 31, and we changed it a few years ago at the suggestion of our auditor, which really allowed us to get summer revenue, get all of our uh, enrollment tuition revenue dollars into one uh, fiscal year. So, yeah, fiscal year will run through April 30th. And so we have uh, about 11 or $12 million now, and that's in addition to what's going to come in in the next few months. That's I know correct. we'll have yeah, the, yeah. So the we gala coming up. And we have gala coming up, have uh, a number of various ask and, and foundation requests out to help us with the uh, new engineering wing, which we hope to get underway at some point in time. So we're looking uh, at this point, shaping up to be a really good giving year for us. We're at around the 100 and $13 million mark toward our $125 million goal for Invest in Excellence, which is about 90% of campaign. And we will be talking with the Board of Trustees at their retreat in January about not only finishing up in the back end of this campaign, but the launch of a new campaign and what that might look like for the university. Looking back again at maybe some highlights from this year, I know uh, we had reaccreditation for Frank School of Education and Kettner School of Business. I, I know at least are stories I've written. There may have even been other uh, departments or schools that have been reaccredited. Talk a little bit maybe about that process and how 
the importance of it to us as an institution. Yeah, accreditation is so important on so many fronts. It seemed like when I first arrived, we had our Higher Learning Commission accreditation and ABET, which is for engineering, and those were basically the only two we have. Now we have so many specialized accreditations, which I think are a really good thing for the university, but you mentioned uh, ACBSP, which is for our School of Business, have had an outstanding year. CAPE, which is our accreditation for the Frank School of Education, I think we really are one of the leaders and models of that for the state of uh, Indiana and, and, and the nation, but they had a really outstanding report from the spring that carried on over to approval in the fall. We just uh, had an updated accreditation, positive accreditation news for our physical therapy program that we asked to increase the class size due to our success from the current 35 to 40 students for in August of 2020, we will increase the class size in our incoming physical therapy class to 40. That's based really on performance of graduates who have been through the program, the quality of the program, how well they perform on the licensure examination, which we've got a 97% pass rate, which is very, very good and great leadership by Max Bumgartner, dean of that school, and Tom Rudiger and all the folks in, in physical therapy. And I know uh, Tracy Floto, who handles a lot of both our accreditation and assessment, we almost have a uh, calendar each year of uh, reports due, who's visiting, what's up next when it comes to the accreditation, but so, so vital to us. And I think across the board, and this speaks to the quality of our programs and the quality of our faculty and our people that are running them, across the board, we do uh, just very, very well when it comes to accreditation because we're doing, I think, everything we humanly can possible do to make the best quality experience and education possible for our students so that they perform well and they're uh, set forth on the right career trajectory. Kind of tying into a recent bit of news, I know just last week there was a national report released that showed teacher education program enrollment nationwide has dropped significantly and then According to the report, between 2010 and 2018, there was a 50% drop, actually more than 50% drop in teacher ed enrollment uh, in schools in Indiana. Yet, looking at our Frank School of Education, uh, we've got a 92% enrollment increase over the past four years. Uh, What do you think Trine's doing that helps our teacher education program to thrive when a lot of them are struggling? Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a concerning trend. One we went through five years ago before we really saw this shift in the trend we have. I think we're he- this fall we would be heading into our fifth straight year of record growth in our school of education. But I, I really attribute and give a lot of credit to uh, Dr. Tony Klein, who's the dean of the Frank School of Education, for his leadership and his vision. He's had an opportunity to bring a lot of new faculty on and and really it's a new face for our school of education. They've created a great uh, learning environment in the uh, Frank School. We've had a few nice gifts. Dr. Uh, Tomas Firth, an alum, uh, also a member of our board of trustees, made a nice gift a couple years ago that allowed us to transform the classrooms and the technology and what we're doing in there to make conducive learning environments for our students. A lot of focus on STEM education because of the type institution we are, a pair of the best uh, teachers and science and technology and engineering and across the board in math that we possibly can. Proof of our success, I think, is seven straight years of 100% placement of our graduates in the Frank School of Education. So they're just doing some really incredible things over there. And I think they're 
their focus is preparing students and teachers that will uh, make positive change in students' lives going forward and prepare them in a way that perhaps other schools are not doing it, but also prepare them in a way that we were talking about accreditation a few minutes ago that also have been reviewed very positive from the accrediting bodies that look at our Frank School of Education. So a great, great leadership, uh, great team, quality program that I think, uh, I think proudly boast is probably one of the top in the state, if not across the region in the Midwest. Um, I know another highlight uh, this past year, and we've talked about it on this podcast before, and we had uh, Whitney Bandemer here last month, but again, is just the expansion that's uh, going on at our Health Sciences Education Center down in Fort Wayne with the launch of Surge Tech and some additional space. Like I said, we've kind of covered it, but is there anything you'd want to add about that? No, I think, you know, just just mentioned with accreditation, expanding the class size in our DPT program, we look going forward uh, as we get through the final accreditation stage with our uh, physician's assistant program to also expand uh, class size there eventually to about 40 to mirror what we're doing in DPT. You mentioned Surge Tech. Also, we're in the accreditation process, and we have both the director and faculty on board to launch our RN to BSN program online for next fall. Matt Austin is the director of our physical therapy assistant program. It's going through the accreditation process for a launch next fall. We are uh, heavily engaged in conversations with Parkview Health, our partner, about additional space acquisition and what that will look like to support our ongoing need as we grow these programs. You know, going into the future, we're looking at anesthesiology, uh, uh, speech-language pathology, uh, occupational therapy, perhaps respiratory therapy, continuing to grow that School of Health Sciences. And currently, we occupy about 40,000 square feet from Parkview and probably will need to almost double that space uh, to accommodate our growth uh, there over the next three to five years. So uh, very, very exciting. Again, we think, again, filling a market niche and need, keeping a, a tune as we like to do at Trine University and knowing what the needs are of our partners in the community and listening to them and providing a, an education and programming and a skill set that's currently not being addressed by other folks in higher education and, again, an outstanding outcome for the graduates of those programs with uh, job placement. And you mentioned Parkview again. I, I know that that's been a very important partnership, and they've given a lot of guidance as we've and I continue to grow these programs. Yeah, but I think the launch of every program in health sciences has really been largely of having had conversation with them of where they see opportunities or where they have needs in their skill gap. You know, another one we didn't talk about that's based here, we may have talked about one of the earlier podcasts, is health informatics, which is part of the newly revamped programming of what we're doing in our computer science program. That's another partnership with Parkview, although it's based here from the main campus of where they employ over 350 folks in their IT department. They constantly have need with this growing database, how they manage it, cybersecurity of all that, of being being sure they have the staff appropriate that they can recruit and retain to do their work. So they helped us in the design of the program. They're providing internships and co-ops for those students and really leading almost indirectly to job placement. So what a what a great opportunity, again, for us to provide support to them. What a great uh, opportunity for students who pursue that as a major. I know one of the other highlights was, again, this fall, now for the past several years, we've 
had record enrollment on our main campus, undergraduate population. And in addition to that this fall, our student academic profile improved. So not only are we getting more students here, but we're getting better students here. Maybe talk a little bit about why that's happening and what that brings to us. Yeah, always uh, pleased to experience any type of growth. And, you know, uh, demographically, we face a real challenge going forward in terms of the number of prepared high school students that will be graduating because we're going into a decline of birth rates in that age population. Probably for the next six or eight years will impact us in a very meaningful way. But I think some of the things we have done over time to continue to address quality of program, to provide better facilities, both uh, residentially in the classroom from a technology standpoint, from an athletic standpoint, to make the best possible four-year residential educational experience possible on a private campus. We felt like we've tried to do that here with providing the resources, whether it be tutorial, the writing center, whatever it is, uh, job placement once they're far enough along to make sure they're as uh, successful as, as possible. And so we feel, we feel good to be a part of that, being in the position that we're in. And then uh, also, uh, as, as you mentioned, our academic profile is better. We seem to be attracting a stronger student, which I think speaks to our scholarship program. Part of Invest in Excellence is raising endowed dollars to provide additional scholarships to support students so that we make a private higher education affordable. So we're trying to control our cost, do the best we can do to bridge the gap so that these students are not leaving with the enormous amounts of debt that we hear quite often. I think the average debt load for someone here at Trine leaving with a four-year degree is somewhere in the twenty-eight dollars to $29,000 range, which we think is a Pretty good investment for a family and a, and a student, particularly if they're leaving with that job placement and that career trajectory at the end. I know another thing we've reported throughout the year is the university being ranked by U.S. News and World Report. Uh, we made the money rankings this year, Wall Street Journal, which recognition is always good. But Absolutely. I also know there's the college administrators in particular have kind of a love-hate relationship with those rankings. What do you think from your perspective are some of the advantages of those ranking systems and what are some of their limitations? Yeah, I, uh, I, I for one, probably am not a fan of those rankings. However, I think you said it best. Those are all great accolades. I think probably for a year, this is probably the most we've received in one year, which I, which I have to say in a, in a positive light, I, I think does reflect well on what uh, we are doing here. You take U.S. News and World Report rankings is often sent out regionally to all your peers who are voting. And I feel like sometimes maybe they know your institution and strengths and weaknesses. Sometimes they don't. There are those, however, though, that do zero in on finances of university, scholarship support. What does uh, job placement look like? What does class size look like in terms of student faculty ratio, which we all know is very, very important in maintaining class sizes. So so uh, they're, they're all over the board, but at the end of the day, when you look at it, you probably prefer to be a part of those rankings and lists than not, because I think most of them are viewed in a positive light that to be a part of uh, Wall Street Journal or Princeton Review or U.S. News and World Report or whoever it is, speaks to most prospective students and, and families and those who read 
those articles view that as institutions that are doing things in a very positive light. I know another big highlight for the university this year on the athletic side was that our softball team finished third in the nation in the NCAA uh, national tournament. Maybe talk a little bit about that. I think was this our third trip or second or our third trip to uh, the nationals and uh, how exciting it is. This was by far our best year to make a run to finish third in the country and play as, as well as we did with a, a team that perhaps we didn't have as high of hopes or aspirations for early in the season, which says a lot to Coach Dankelson and his staff and the, and the uh, student athletes themselves, how hard they worked throughout the season to get themselves into that position. And I think for our women's softball team, this has been like 12 straight NCAA appearances that we have made, but to advance to that national scene is, is pretty pretty nice. And when you look at the very last play here that launched us into that national scene of the trick play, which went viral and and national, which you know we got a lot of a lot of fanfare and play out of, was something huge for particularly for our student athletes, but I think also for the university because they got the name of trying out there nationally. I remember sitting on Saturday morning watching the top 10 on ESPN and it pops up and I instantly thought, Oh my goodness. And, you know, start telling everybody in the house and texting folks and everything else. But I think uh, pretty gutsy call by uh, coach Dankelson and our, our coaching staff uh, accolades to them. Felt a little bit bad for the team who had to lose in, in that manner, but uh, a great, Great publicity for a well-deserved team and coaching staff have done an incredible job with softball at Trine University. I think I watched that video several times, and it's, <laughs> it took me those tries just to figure out what was happening. And even, I think, if you listen to the announcer on there, he was fooled as well. And, uh, yeah, Josh is over here nodding his head. Uh, well, the, I think, I think the, it caught, uh, caught everybody. And the acting by the by the student out di- diving as if the ball's getting past them and then kids turning and running for the outfield fence when the ball's been right in the pitcher's mitt in the infield. That's a great acting job by everyone. So they probably have a career beyond athletics when they, yeah. when they get done that might be acting. So Yeah, I was going to say we added the theater minor this fall, <laughs> but uh, it sounds like we set the stage for it. Yeah. Kind of speaking of the video, um, I know another another highlight of this year is we've expanded the Trine Broadcasting Network, this podcast being part of that sure. expansion. And uh, maybe talk a little bit about what opportunities this offers for our students. Yeah, I think it's I think the whole Trine Broadcasting Network and how it's evolved over the course of two or three years has has been interesting. I think it's a good thing. I think it provides a different type of experience for our students. I think it's a really good thing for listeners and viewers. Uh, it's sort of a change in format from WeX, our old FM radio station that we had. That we so we first I think started maybe thinking about this a little bit with the development of plans of the MTI Center and looking at the video capabilities and cameras and things we have of, of that nature. And then uh, I think talking with Josh, our director, and folks in the communications department, how do we all continue to work together to, to do two things? One, I think see how we can more carefully engage students in the process and educate them, but also a lot about quality of service we can provide to our listeners, whether it's through this podcast, whether it's through a live stream or videoing uh, across the board. I think it's been a neat transition. I think it's been a neat transition of the studio we're in at the 
at the moment and how it has all come together and flows with communications department. This is a service of the university marketing department, just how we have packaged it and done it, I think has, has served us well and has been done very well. So kudos to all of you who have been involved in that process. Um, another highlight that you mentioned earlier was the success that a lot of our student engineering teams had in competition this year. I know our ASCE chapter was ranked the top 5%, and that was, I think, all nationally and internationally. Yeah. Um, we had a team from that group that was second in an international competition. We had a mechanical engineering team that won the basic utility vehicle competition. Uh, I know we also had the Kemi car because they're not just competing against our size institutions. They're competing against the, you know, Purdue universities yeah. of the world. Um, what does that mean for us to be able to, to go toe to toe with those schools? Yeah, so proud of the accomplishments of, uh, you know, the civil engineering group, the mechanical engineering group, chemical engineering uh, team always does very well every year then you get over into the areas of criminal justice and all that but so so proud uh, of our students it's always great when you go up against the big boys and you see trying university's name ahead of the purdue's and the ohio states and and some of those i think I, the other thing i would say is a lot of the credit for this goes to our faculty i think in terms of their teaching their mentorship their support of our students to properly prepare them so i think it's got a lot to do with the quality of education they're providing but also i think it has everything to do with uh, our students their commitment how hard they work the pride they take in it but you know this is not a fluke this year because our teams perform well year in year out but when you think that you're one of the top five percent civil engineering chapters across the country that's a pretty big deal and that's all happening right here at uh, trine university and so hats off to uh, our faculty of those various schools and departments for doing just an outstanding job in preparing our students another big piece of news this year was or at least something that kind of got some national attention because of the connection to the atlantic magazine was the our towns program that kind of talked about and there was you know i know reference on c-span to the high-powered university that was located here in Angola and what, just kind of highlighting the relationship between Trine and the city of Angola. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about the importance of that relationship, about what it means to us and to the city. Yeah, it's been very important. I mean, I think we've probably talked before about the uh, economic impact of the university and employing 550 people and uh, roughly $135 million, whatever the figure is, of regional economic impact. But to me, the town-gown relationship and the relationship we enjoy with the city of Angola is vitally important to uh, both of us, uh, Mayor Hickman, the city council, and all the folks that work for the city have been uh, tremendous supporters of the university. And it's, it's been kind of neat to work over the years as they've really been part of campus transformation because there's nothing that happens here in terms of our planning facility, whether it's the first center, whether it's the new engineering wing, whatever it may be that we're not working and planning and with city government. They were a partner with us on the Thunder Ice Arena, which opened a couple of years ago. And not only did they invest in that facility, but they also were a partner with us to go into uh, 
the regional cities grant where we received $2.8 million from the state of Indiana. That would not have happened without that partnership. We've been in a lot of discussions and planning with them about the Angola Innovation Park out at I-69 and how we can partner together and be uh, good neighbors and uh, recruit, bring businesses to town, but be good partners in economic development. So I think it's a win-win for us, a healthy uh, community, and Angola is a good thing for Trine University, and likewise, a healthy and vibrant Trine University is a good thing for our community, and I think we've got good partners now and city government that recognize that, and so there's a lot of collaboration and partnership that goes on between us and the city, and we really, really enjoy that, and we really appreciate it made mention earlier of the scholarship gala and uh, one of the highlights for this year is that uh, event raised almost one million dollars which was a record for that event I know we had coach Holtz here and people came to listen to him and now coming up in February we're going to have Isaiah Thomas which me growing up in Michigan and I cheered very much for the bad boys team that he was a part (laughs) of so I'm, I'm looking forward to it and I'm sure a lot of people are from his days with the Pistons and also Indiana University. Maybe give me a a little bit more of a preview of what we've got coming up for that event. Yeah, we're certainly excited to have uh, Isaiah Thomas here, and I'll be looking for you to get the story behind the story of the bad boys then while he's here. But certainly an Indiana connection and uh, Detroit Pistons connection. So we thought, you know, folks in our region attend the gala, Isaiah would be a good draw. To go beyond his playing years as a great athlete, and broadcaster, but Isaiah himself is quite a philanthropist and supportive of a lot of different organizations. So as we began looking at potential folks we could have here, have someone who could come in to be not only the celebrity type that folks can mingle with and socialize with and get their picture taken or whatever with Isaiah, but have someone speak to us from the heart about his experience and career a little bit, but more importantly, the importance of philanthropy and giving back to be part of that area and for listeners out there to know the gala has become a wonderful event here in the middle of winter here in in angola in february 8th this year and uh, you know we were just shy of a million dollar goal last year so just shy enough that gave us probably enough incentive and challenge to get us over the hump this year but a great evening as everybody knows a wonderful dinner wine tasting uh, silent auction live auction items that folks are there and just a great, great time, and we encourage folks to come out and be a sponsor or find a way to donate an item to give back to one of the uh, auctions. This is all about raising uh, scholarship dollars for students. All these dollars go back to our students and to our Books and Beyond program, which, again, is all about supporting students and, and those who have need that can't afford textbooks or perhaps that iPad or technology piece that they need to complete their uh, education here at, at Trine. And we're so thankful to all those who have supported us in the past and encourage everybody to come out again this year and be part of something really special with our special guest, Isaiah Thomas, with us. And as I recall, two books and beyond covers things like sometimes if a student has to go home suddenly for a funeral and they need gas money yes. or um, even maybe those uh, any of those unexpected necessities uh, we feel like it's another way we can help a student be successful and uh, any way we can try to help ease the burden of hardships they may experience while they are here we have deb mchenry and other folks that are involved in that process that these students can reach out to and we can provide that assistance and i think that's the other thing that 
the supporters and donors like about this program. They know the type of assistance, and they know that uh, every penny that goes that's raised that evening goes back directly to support our students. And the Books and Beyond, I know, at least since I've been here at Trine, is matched by the James Foundation. Correct. Uh, We've got up to, I think, $250,000 matched by the James Foundation, Drs. Rick L. and Vicki L. James, uh, our our board chairman, his wife, and we know how generous they've been to Trine University over the years in a number of different facilities on our campus, scholarship things of of that nature. But what a wonderful matching opportunity to turn $250,000 into a half million dollars to support students. So write those checks, make that gift for that sponsorship, and it's almost as if your your dollars are doubled to help students. Well, looking ahead into 2020, uh, what are some predictions or plans for Trine University in the year ahead? Well, mentioned, you know, talk a little bit about campaign on the front end. We've had some really nice things happen uh, this fall as we continue to move forward, working with the Design Collaborative and everybody on the new engineering wing. You know, we recently announced a nice gift from the English Bonner Mitchell Foundation. We hope to hear from another foundation or two before year end. We would like later in the spring to officially break ground on that facility. We uh, have a, a pretty nice opportunity coming up with the Lilly Endowment, which has afforded us a, an opportunity where we've received a uh, planning grant that we will now use to lead us down the path to a couple of different grant opportunities with Lilly. All about, again, collaboration, partnership, and what can we do to uh, provide quality education and bridge the gaps in some of the areas that we see in health sciences and engineering. So we're looking forward to uh, to those. As we talk about health sciences, also a nice gift recently from the Wilson Foundation in Fort Wayne to continue to support some of that expansion there. So very, very excited about that uh, health sciences expansion and then continuing to look at how we at Trine University be relevant, offer a quality education differentiate ourselves a little bit and uh, how do we how do we do it and how do we do it better on our campus and uh, continue to pay attention to the challenges we face with demographics and a shrinking pool of students or how uh, we best serve them through the programs and services we have to offer here at Trine University but an exciting exciting time for us as I've said numerous times I wouldn't swap our position with anyone in higher education in the in the region right now because we got the we got some of the best and most creative people here that are making some really great things happen here for students. And kind of looking ahead at the entire higher education landscape, I know I would say probably there's been a lot of concern in that community about the events of this past year with yes. you know schools closing or consolidating. Looking ahead with that, we'll have a presidential election coming up mm-hmm. with all sorts of proposals from candidates addressing things like student debt. What are some things you think may may or will happen this next year in higher education in general? I think it'll still be uh, extremely challenging. I think uh, a lot of institutions are trying to adapt, need to adapt to this changing environment. I think one of the things that's the strength for Trine University we continue to focus on is a lot of our programs are more professionally oriented, career in mind from the get-go. When we start a program, the first thing we look at is what's the career outcome going to be. And so I think we're a little a little different in that regard. For the most part, I think good economies impact higher education, bad economies impact higher education. I think in this particular economy, 
you see a softer adult market, which we certainly have seen. However, I don't think it has necessarily impacted uh, the main campus because jobs are plentiful and incomes tend to tend to be better. But also in this environment, it also tends to impact giving in a positive way. You know, if the stock market's doing well, people are employed, incomes are good. So, so that's a positive. You you never know with an election, uh, one way or the other, what that can do to the economy and how does that further complicate what's a shrinking pool of high school graduates and, and going forward. So you're right. It's a, it's a critical time already for higher education. They know they face a demographic cliff. Now with the election upcoming and you're right, student debt, discussion about free tuition and all that on the table, how does that impact? And then we'll certainly probably hear more than we want to hear over the course of the next year from all of the candidates in the process the elections passes but there'll be a number of number of issues that I'm sure candidates will try to address with regard to debt making higher education affordable and the other one we haven't talked a lot about is uh, prepping students who don't pursue college for uh, career skills you know a lot of a lot of skills gap out there for that there's a high need for that voca- we got away from vocational skills years ago in the public schools. And that's a whole other audience and group that's uh, not being served from the labor and the workforce standpoint. We have a, an under-skilled and under-trained uh, workforce, labor workforce. Well, once again, uh, thank you, Dr. Brooks, for joining me today for the podcast. We look forward to all that the new year will hold, and we want to wish all our listeners and the Trine University community a happy holiday season. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.